0: Um, you give you give the model that attacked Minico, uh, karmic the karmic fate upgrade, and that just says whenever, well, I think it says, uh, whenever Minako would take damage, the model with the upgrade also takes the same amount of damage. Oh, um, nice. Uh,
1: Hi friends, boy, we got a treat for you. This um Asami deep dive has some incredible insights from two very top players, and I'll tell you if you even if you don't play Asami, you are going to learn something from this episode. We cover a lot of things. We discover what a flexible master she is. Um, we're going to learn when summoning may not be the best move. Uh you'll be a little bit surprised with the first model they hire after the totem. Their take on flicker bombing might surprise you. Uh Greg makes an argument for using Terracotta Warriors in an Oni crew, and I know a lot of people don't think Terracotta Warriors um, really have found a home yet they both um, have their main builds but they both have some very interesting alternate builds that we really dig into um, at the very end we talk about Shenlong Long and uh, all the chatter around uh, that master and how uh, people that ran him performed at UK nationals that's definitely worth sticking around for uh, last but not least you may have noticed that I've started leaving outtakes at the very end of each episode um, so let me know in the comments on Facebook if you uh, like uh, having those there enjoy Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the Third Floor and the Tabletop Talk Broadcast. Craig here on the Third Floor. Today we're going to do a deep dive into the Ten Thunders Master, Asami Tanaka, and how the ONI crew works in Malifaux 3rd Edition. My guests today are Alex Drake and Greg Pakash. Anyone that has heard our McCabe Deep Dive already knows Alex, and he recently finished fourth at the UK Nationals event. So, Alex, welcome back to the third floor. Yeah, thank you for having me, Craig. It's, uh, it's great to be here again. So, can you give me kind of a couple sentences on uh, how the UK Nationals felt?
0: Oh, yeah, it's um, wonderful. Best event of the year, uh, some would say. Yeah. Se- seven games, seven great opponents. Um Eighty-six people, I think we had this time. It's amazing. Yeah, really, really good. Just to see that many tables in a hall and that many people playing the game
1: is is, uh, it's really inspiring. Yeah, I bet. So you guys on the first day play four games, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, like when I when I'm playing in a grand tournament or even a rego tournament, after the end of round three, like my brain is fried. Uh, how do you put together enough to get uh, uh, like clear thinking for a fourth game? Uh, I, I think clear thinking goes out the window. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, on on, on Saturday we did we did three games in a row, uh, the, the last three games. So by by the fourth game, you just you just sort of trying to go on autopilot, really. <laughs> yeah it's, it's an enjoyment spot at that
1: at that, at that point it, it really is because i mean it's just so mentally exhausting
0: yeah you, you, you get into it actually though and sometimes you know by the end of the, the end of the day you're sort of like yeah well, let's play again where's my fifth game <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's when the adrenaline kicks in yeah let's t- let's take it to the pub let's let's play yeah. another game <laughs> that's funny <laughs> oh so uh, my next my other guest is Greg and this is actually his first appearance on the podcast but many of you probably already know his name um, he held the top spot during uh, m2e in the UK rankings for uh, t- over 12 straight months which is which is impressive uh, he took a short break from alpha but he's back for this new edition and uh, some of you might recognize him because he did the Lilith ma- master spotlight on schemes and stones uh, back in m2e so Greg welcome to the third floor man
2: Hey, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. It's uh yeah, a little bit um, weird to be back, but we've got a we've got a really good game to play, so
1: so I now having left and come back and um having uh you know a couple months now, what is uh what's your feelings about third edition versus second?
2: Oh I love it. Um I love it. It is it's it's weird how streamlined the game feels considering um there's nothing being taken out of it from a, a model point of view, which I know it's not exactly true because of Dead Man's Hand and things yeah. like that. But when you consider how many models are in Dead Man's Hand compared to how many we've got left, um, the fact that you're playing a game that just seems to work so much better, and, and second was, was was still a superb game. Um, I mean, I've, I'm coming from from all the way from from 1.5, and um, when we um, initially made a transition to yeah. to second, um, we only played with well, half a game for over a year. Um, masters like, um, wow. well, Jackdaw no wasn't kidding. a master, but I suppose we didn't have, uh, no Molly, for example, no Colette, no Dreamer, um, masters like that di- didn't exist. Um, well they did, but they had no, no second edition rules. And so, yeah, our, our first game was, our first year was right. played with only maybe three masters of faction, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, including kind of a 10 thunders once. So yeah. That's it's, crazy. This is a, yeah, it's good. It's good.
1: I know what you're saying, though. Yeah, and I know what you're saying about it. it's. It's. It's funny how streamlined it feels because, like, the first time you I read the three, uh, uh, third edition rules, I was like, okay, there's some nice little tweaks here, nice little tweaks there. But until I actually started playing, I didn't realize what a huge impact it had on how the game felt.
2: Yeah, absolutely massive. Um, and a lot of a lot of things, even just that the. the, the uh it sounds such a simple thing but we have the same effect we'll have the same name or the same ability even whether it's on an everborn card or an outcast card yep. and just little things like that again especially if you're a newer player coming into the game where it's like oh you know i've got um i don't know i'm trying to think of a word not disguised No, so that was a bad example but um because it was the same in in 2 mm-hmm. no matter who you were but at least then you you know what that ability does and like oh you, you play another crew that you've never played before and it said an, oh well this person's got xyz ability and like oh okay i know what two of those do already right excellent that's you know what's the third um exactly yeah just li- little things but
1: but it adds up to a lot yeah it makes a big it makes a big difference no, I completely agree. So, guys, what I want to do is I want to focus on obviously Asami and what the and the Oni crew, and I want to really get a sense of how you guys build an Oni crew, how the crew plays, um, if there's any tea. Uh, tech pieces uh, in the crew that you bring in based off of, you know, the strategy or certain schemes. Um, and we also want to cover how to counter this crew. Um, so Alex, um, let's pretend that pe- somebody listening right now has never played Asami, never played against Asami, hasn't even read the card. Can you kind of give us an overview of the style of master that Asami is?
0: Yeah. So um, she's a really, really flexible summoning master, um, able to to summoning Uh, summon in only to sort of fit the uh the situation at the time so she can summon in quite sort of aggressive big beaters or sort of like scheming or support pieces and she does that to fit the situation and fit what sort of like your opponent's doing to sort of either put pressure on them or to answer what they're doing so flexible summoner yeah flexible flexible summoner some i think some would say like aggressive summoner uh, with some of the positioning and 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 with the flicker mechanics that I'm sure we'll get into, but yeah, maybe aggressive, flexible summoner. I think is is how I'd how I'd class her. Um, yeah, to someone someone that's never heard of her, or is or is sort of like coming to her sort of afresh.
2: Yeah, um, just to, to to add to what to what Alex said, that she's she's a phenomenally um, flexible summoner, um, but due to kind of the nature of her keyword and how our summons work, which we'll we'll get into in a bit. Um, she also has to then effectively support her models, which is where I think a lot of the kind of aggressive summoner thing comes from. Um, it's that she she needs to be close to her models um, for her summons to be effective um, in, in a fairly roundabout way, um, which, again, uh, is a little bit of foreshadowing, but we'll, we'll get into. Um, it's not so much that she herself summons and then is aggressive. It's that she needs to play forward to continually support her summoned models um, it's not kind of a, um, not exactly a fire and forget type of mechanic. Um, there's a lot of additional um, aftercare,
1: right? Right, and so which is going to bring her up, right? Um, and, and in order to do that support, so Greg, let's jump right into that though. So because her her summoning is very unique, and this flicker mechanic is very unique. Do you mind walking through um, kind of how she summons and what, what flicker means?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, so. It's, so in terms of how she summons, um, Asami has this um, beautiful ability to summon without any form of resource. Um, she doesn't need any markers down. All you need is a mask um, card of a high enough value, depending on, on what you wish to summon. Um, now, the uh, downside of that, or oh, I suppose yeah, the, way, the way it's kind of balanced around is that, um, like many other summoners, she gives her models an upgrade when it summons. Um, And part of the text on that upgrade states that when a model is summoned, it gains two Flickr tokens, which we'll get to in a second. And when um, that model, uh, at the end of that model's activation, it gains uh, another Flickr token. Um, Now Flickr herself, that's um, part of her keyword. I think the actual keyword itself uh, ability is called From Beyond. Um, But Flickr is is what you as as an Asami player or Asami opponent will interact with. Um, And so basically what this says is uh, before you perform a duel, you can give a model a flicker token. Um, And that flicker token basically works like focus. Uh, You gain a positive to the flip of a duel and you gain a positive to any resulting damage flip. Um, Now, if you, um, at the end of uh, any model's activation, so your own friendly enemy, whatever, um, if you have, or a model has three or more flicker tokens on it, um and then it is uh killed it disappears um got it the whole kind of flicker mechanic um is it's it's i'm not sure if um i'm going to explain this correctly but there's this kind of Japanese um saying um called mono aware, which i've probably butchered the the pronunciation of but that basically is is like a um a, a sensitivity or an appreciation of um impermanence, um which is a lot of what her crew is about um I think in, in, I suppose, in in English, the closest thing we might have is like the candle that burns twice as bright, burns half as long. Nice. Um, So, you you, you know, the flicker mechanic lets you accelerate, but you won't be around that long. Um, And going back to her summoning upgrades, when you summon in, you know, you automatically gain two flicker. At the end of that model's activation, it's going to get a third, uh, which means it's only going to last one turn, as opposed to other summoners where, you know, a model you summon on turn one could easily be around in, you know, turn four or five. Um, right. Unless, um, again, we, we, we go to some of the aftercare we talked about, uh, which I might let Alex talk about um, instead. You, you're you only going to have your summon modeled around for, for the one turn.
1: But there's obviously ways, and we're going to get into it, that you can mitigate that, I would assume. So, Alex, um, you know, I would imagine, you know, part of the art of running this crew is really being able to manage that flicker, Right.
0: Yeah, managing your flicker is, is, is huge, actually. It's, it's really where you're going to squeeze out, um, the, the best of, 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 the crew. You know, you can be, cause you can just simply, uh, summon a, summon an oni, summon a demon, put it down, um, and you know, it's only going to last one activation. It, it's not slow. It's not stunned. It, it just goes in and you get in the flicker to get focuses on its attacks and you can have sort of a really, like like uh, like Greg said, a really bright brightly burning summon. Um, but then, but then your other options are maybe trying to keep it around an extra turn. Do I um, do I summon it um, and I get to place it next to some scrap or um, corpse markers? Uh, so when when you summon it and it's within a, an inch of scrap or corpse, you can remove each one to lessen the flicker that it's gained upon. Um, do I try and use some of her other abilities to to, to reduce the, the flicker after it's summoned? Um, uh, you know, to sort of try and keep that that that, that model uh, alive for, for longer. And I, th- and I think that really is the, the balance that you're looking at when you're playing the crew. You know, you, you, you're going in hard or you're trying to keep them alive for longer. And and, and that's that, that's what I find. I find that really, really interesting. Um, I think, so the, the main way she's managing the, the, the flicker is probably with um, A Mother's Love, which is a uh, um, tactical action action, um, Range 8, so that's where she needs to be a little bit up the board in range of those summons and in range of her crew. Um, She needs a a a 4 to cast it, Um, targets an only, and it discards a flicker from them and gives them focus. So you could sort of see this as maybe giving them two two focuses, uh, or two APs worth, you know, sort of. But you're removing the flicker to keep them alive, and then you're giving them a focus for a a further action. Um, And I'll often be... um, Using this on my on my models just to keep them below that, um, to actually to keep them keep them down to one flicker maybe so that they survive maybe the next turn or it, depending on the situation. But that's that's the decision you, you're making. Uh, the other way she manages the flicker is um, when a uh, when a mod, when a friendly only ends its activation within ten of her, um, she can suffer two damage um, to um, remove a flicker token from that model. So if your opponent's sort of thinking that it's going to die it. At the end of its activation, um, and then Asami will take two damage to to remove it and keep it alive, and that can be a bit of a, um, a key a key way of keeping your models on the board. But you can't overuse it because yeah. it's the life of your master. She's she's also got a trigger on a summon, um, so it's on a on a on a crow. So if if you are summoning, you know you're going to need a mask and, and a crow for it. So you're stoning for one of them and having the card for the other, and that's that. She could suffer any amount of damage and reduce the flicker on the summon model by the amount of damage she suffers. So, you know, you can use a thirteen of masks, you can stone for the crow, you can summon a Jorgumo. Um she could take two wounds and it comes into play on no flicker. Um which, you know, which is uh impactful because then it can have two you know it can have a, a, couple, a
1: focused attack uh, on its turn and not not have to worry about disappearing. But but I mean boy you got to be smart about all of that, don't you? I mean there's a lot to balance there, which is not putting too much damage on her because she's not going to be hiding, you know, in the back of your deployment zone while this is all yeah. happening. And two um, you know, deciding whether you know that corpse and scrap marker is in the right place where you need the model to be, or do you need to summon it somewhere else that it's not going to have that? I mean, Greg, that, that seems like uh, a lot of finesse.
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, it's it's one of, one of my kind of I suppose key tenants um, that I've developed when playing. It is, uh, yeah, you, you need to plan at least one turn ahead. Um, because you've got, as you said, you've got Flickr to manage. You have uh, Sammy's wounds to manage. Uh, you have the different ways of, and then the different ways of managing those, whether it's Asami's abilities, you know, picking up, um, scrap markers from the summon. Um, Sami can also use, um, scrap scheme and, and cause markers to heal herself. Um, so you are kind of juggling her wounds, you're juggling flicker, you're using different resources to, to manage the flicker and manage, um, her wounds. Um, it's worth saying as well um, that the actual only models themselves, um, when they kill an enemy model, they can also move a flicker for themselves. So you've kind of got that uh, risk analysis, you know, when you've got a model on two it's do you spend for the third um, to go in for the kill, hoping that you could right. then take another flicker off? Um, if that model dies, there, there's there's a lot um, going on in, inside that keyword. It's one of the reasons I, um, I adore it so much. Um, no matter what game that, no matter how the game's going for you. It's interesting, right? Cause there's all this right. little bits and pieces going on in the background.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's def- definitely not a, you know, a plug and play master. I mean, that is obvious. Um, and depending, I would imagine the kind of player you are, that's what can make her attractive because the, the flexibility she brings is huge. Um, but you can't, um, I mean, you just got to, you got a lot to think about and, that, and that's, like I said, that's okay. Um, it, um, I, I, she's she's one of the several Ten Thunders masters that uh, I find incredibly interesting. So, Greg, my next question about that though is: so we're playing her forward. We're really doing our best to to manage how much damage she's taking to try to keep her stuff standing. Um, is there other things that are keeping her on the board? Is there any defensive tech she has? Is there any healing she's getting? I mean, what what prevents her from going from twelve to no wounds in t- two turns?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so in terms of defensive tech, um, she's base defense 6, which is you know already pretty nice. decent, um, already up there. Um, she could also, um, I'm going to forget the name, um, she can pass off attacks uh, to Oni. Um, oh, protected. You know, everyone's got, oh, not everyone, protected, that's the word. Hers is protected Oni. Uh, again, it's going to cost you a card, which for a summoning model is, uh, sorry, summoning master can be uh, expensive. Uh, depending on a particular situation. Um, and she can also, uh, she has a bonus action where she can remove uh, corpse, scrap, or scheme markers uh, to heal two per marker removed. Also, also, also the summon model gets flicker at the
1: start of their activation. <laughs> but it, where, where it matters, though, uh, Alex, is, is what happens at the end of the activation, Right. Yeah. So, so, and I think I already know the answer to this. Um, Like if it doesn't matter if it has three or six flicker at the end of the activation, the same thing happens.
2: Yeah. There's absolutely no, no upper cap.
1: Yeah. yeah. Alex, I want to talk a little bit. I mean, boy, I mean, you you have a lot of pressure on her three AP uh, because, you know, except for the bonus action to heal herself, you know, she's, she's using an AP to, to summon. She's using an AP to potentially remove some flicker, but it looks like she has some decent attack actions. um, One, one that even has an execute trigger. Um, Do you find yourself using those attack actions or is she really tied up kind of keeping the crew up and running? um yeah
0: I, I I do find myself using the attack actions it probably uh, uh, this is probably a, a bit different from some of your other people's experiences but maybe more than the summon uh yeah the, the the summon the summon is when you know when you've got the cards or when you need the models for specific situations but actually um the two attack actions she's got are, are, are really useful so um the the melee attack another the mouth to feed um you know you stat six which is which is good uh, but you're looking at two four six damage damage So track. good uh, yeah and, and like you said the execute trigger so you can sort of late a game when someone's running run out of running out of resources with their stones it's late in a turn someone's running out of the cards um, and you go in with a, a couple of executes on, on something it can be it can be quite swingy um yeah so it, it, it just means she's got a bit of protection people have to think maybe twice before before going into her as as, as heavy as, as they would.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that offensive
0: capability becomes its own defensive tack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just persuades people to maybe stay away a little bit. Yeah, um, the other one, reaching tendrils, um, is really really useful. So it is a it is a projectile, but it's stat six. It uh, ignores friendly fire, and it just pushes the target six inches. Um, there's a couple of triggers on it, but to be honest, I don't really get very much use out of them because they're triggers they rip and tear and coordinate attack. so they're mainly. For if you're pushing enemies, um, but a lot of the time I'm pushing friendlies around with with, with uh, reaching tendrils. Just with a hair, pushing pushing a pushing a friendly model six inches is really um, really impactful. You know, if you for for that flexibility, it gives that crew the the, the speed and the ability
1: to respond right. on the board where where you need it to. Well, and we've talked about it uh, so many times here on the podcast that especially in third edition, positioning is everything. Um, Almost every single thing you do to score has to do about where your model is on the board. So any type of ways to push your own models or even be able to push your opponent's models. I mean, the more you play the game, the more you realize how powerful that is.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, exactly. It's really uh, we'll, get, we'll get into schemes uh, uh, later on, but it's really good for for denying certain schemes or trying to guarantee yourself um, that th- some of those points. So it's it's really really important for those th- for that point scoring. Doesn't feel as flashy as uh, as summoning something huge and hitting them. Doesn't feel as flashy as going in and executing someone, uh, pushing someone six inches. But if it gets yeah. you the points, um, that's that's what the game's about, really.
1: Yeah, well, and six inches is a a big deal. I mean, with so many of the pushes we see out there are two-inch pushes, three-inch pushes. A six-inch push is is a lot. Um, The last thing I think it's worth mentioning um, before we take a break is the fact that she has built-in Arcane Reservoir. um, (laughs) Yeah. Which is is a good thing, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, And, and she needs it. Well, yeah. maybe she doesn't need it. But but I, I appreciate it. You know, she's a summoner. Uh, the seven cards is, you know, means you're more likely to get the ones you want. And 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 actually maybe we'll get onto this in, at some point, but there is quite a bit of pressure on the crew for
1: cards. Or, or I find there is. So so the seven cards is really is, is- so, so Greg, when you're building an Oni crew out of curiosity, um how, how stone hungry is that crew? I mean, how many stones do you like to have in your cache?
2: Um I one of the kind of kind of call. Core- uh sammy cruiser tend to run i have nine um i run yeah i'm yeah, quite I heavy can see that um but that, that that nine tends to um frequently actually drop well anywhere between five and nine uh you know if, if i'm in a matchup and i kind of feel that i need a particular upgrade um you know losing dropping down at seven's not too bad um or mm-hmm. if i feel um i might need a particular tech piece or particular support piece and That's going to cost me a couple of extra stones to swap a model out or add a new one. And I dropped, you know, five or six. It's not too big a deal, Um, mainly because I'm I'm trying to trade off, you know, what I might spend those stones on during the game um, for um, an ability which I'm I'm going to use all game long. Uh, It's more of a, a, a meta call than anything else. Right, right, exactly
1: Well guys, let's take a quick break When we get back from this break What I want to do is I want to focus more on um, What what uh, models uh, Greg and Alex Are bringing in uh, to their own crew So we're going to talk about Building a crew We'll be right back so now that we get kind of a feeling of um really which i think makes asami just a cool Cool, cool master and Oni, a cool keyword. What I'd like to do is get a sense from these guys: um, what are when they're building a crew, and despite whatever the pool is, the strategy is, uh, regardless of what the opponent is, um, are there models that they just always hire? Um, obviously, we'll start with the totem, but um, what are some other models that just always seem to make it into the crew? And then let's get into the summons a little bit. So, Alex, um, let's first let's talk about the totem. Can you give me an idea of what Asami's totem does?
0: Yeah, so he. Um- He's a bit of a supporty totem. Uh, he can remove uh, flicker and potentially on the trigger he can remove conditions. So he tends to follow around some of the oni and maybe remove flicker from them just to keep them keep them alive a little bit longer, allowing them to to get those um, positives flipped to their their attacks or or their defensive jewels. Um, so he tends to be a little bit of a support totem. Um, he do, he can put up as he's quick action. He can put up a, an aura of concealment, which com- comes in handy because. You've got to remember we are, uh, in, 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 when we're staying in Keyword, we're a we're very melee-centric crew. We're not, we're not a ranged crew, really. Um, and um, I suppose one, one really interesting thing about him is that if um, he's got an ability, the, the true power, um, and, and that's when, if you lose a Sami in the game when, when she dies, you get to attach an upgrade to him. And it just makes him a bit of a beast in combat. It puts his damage track up from from quite small, I think, like one, two, four, or something. It put, puts it up to three, four, five, or three, four, oh, six, nice. or something. Yeah. Um, and he can also um, the flicker becomes quite beneficial. He can discard flicker to reduce damage that he takes, so he can become a little bit of like a like a melee monster when when Asami dies, which which is um, which is quite fun. It, to be honest, it doesn't happen very often. He's usually dead by the time Asami dies, but. um but it's 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 quite I quite like it fluff wise and story wise. Exactly. But also, you know, he can he can pack a punch if he needs to. Um, he's often if he's not following around some other people of the crew, um, re- removing that flicker. Sometimes he's a bit of a bodyguard for Asami. You know, he, he's a, an only to pass on the attacks to with protected. Right, um, and with manipulative, you know, he, he, he's not he's not that impactful. So you don't really need to activate him early in a turn. Um, you know, turns two or three or four. You know, but um, so with manipulative passing on attacks to him can can actually really you know really can scupper your opponent's plans really if they're trying to if you pass on attack to him and then it's manipulative and they miss. So um, and he's insignificant, which which I re- actually really like in totems because it means he's not a liability mm-hmm. in, in some of the, you know with with some of the strats and schemes. So
2: yeah, I, yeah. I
1: like him. I'm on. Yeah, no question. Greg, how about you? What are your thoughts on the totem?
2: Uh, yeah, I um I. I've, pretty much uh, the only thing I wanted to add to what um, Alex said there was that it's worth noting that he still gets to he removes all his flicker when he attaches um, the upgrade um, and oh, then nice. um, he can actually and um, because of say, his damage then um, jumps up um, he does actually become a, a, especially you know he, the Sammy tends to die towards the end of the game um, and you can mm-hmm. actually kind of trade for, for your opponent's pieces really well um, by chucking a couple of focus attacks in you know with minimum damage you know it's something like, I think it's, he tops out at six, it's like three, four, six, or something like that. He goes up and he, to and he's got crit strike, um, but with <laughs> wow. you know, and he's got crit strike, and he, he has the ability, uh, another one of his triggers, uh, he can gain a flicker token, um, to take the same action again, so he can potentially, you know, put out four focused attacks, um, on three, four, six, and then uh, he will immediately die after that, um, but that's right. a hell of a lot of pain coming out of, um, just a little totem, uh, which again it doesn't really happen that often he, tend, he tends to die first um, before Asami but um, it can really take someone you know he, he can come out of nowhere um, with with the Asami soul upgrade um, especially again if they're split up suddenly um, you know once Asami dies one side of the board comes safe another side of the board can come, become actually really dangerous nice. um, because yeah. you've got this little blue guy running around stabbing things yeah <laughs> Oh, uh, that's cool. So, Greg, after the totem, uh, what is one of your first hires in a Noni crew? So, one one of the things I never actually leave home without is um, a kaname, um, these beautiful little trash goblins. Um, <laughs> and one of the reasons uh, for that is their ability um, to basically drop a scheme, scrap or course marker um, in base contact with the model as a bonus option. Um, mm. Now, we do gain a flicker to do it. Um, and because it's, it's it's a cost gaining a flicker, so even if you black joke at that bonus action, you've paid your cost. Um, a lot of the Sammy's Sam- uh only models, a lot of their flashier abilities will require you gain flicker. Um, again, going with that, uh, candle burns twice as bright thing. Um, but they've also just got a great little melee attack. Um, oh, it's, it's only sat four, but it's got a two inch range. Um, and it gives out all- slow automatically, which is just Absolutely big. superb. Um, uh, yeah, really big. Um, and then they've got these, a couple of beautiful synergies around kind of corpse markers and poison. So, so they can actually pick up corpse markers themselves um, and it give some poison three. Now, they don't um, take any damage from that. They actually heal the damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can also, uh, when they would gain Flicker, you can actually just reduce your poison condition by two. So if they're, you know, they're not um you know exactly frontline front combat models they've only got you know forwards um and, and the defense is, is uh, only four pretty poor um but if they can you know eat up your corpse markers from uh, your opponent's models it's worth noting on that only themselves don't drop uh, corpse markers or anything like that um actually once they get a stack of poison on them um they almost become immune to the to the flicker right um because when you gain flick you just dished poison off of themselves. Um, You know, if you take a random pot shot or like a random blast mark or shockwave or something, um, again, that poison will just heal it back. Um, And so so they they become strangely durable to kind of chip damage. Um, And again, the the ability to just drop a marker, you know, when engaged. um, Also on Return Your Summoned as well, Mm -hmm. which can be really, really important. Um, You know, dropping a Ski mark on Return Your Summoned is massive. Um, Dropping markers for a sami to pick up to heal. Um. Again, also massive. Yep. So yeah, no, they are they are beautiful, beautiful little Josh Goblins. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of value for four points. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, you get a lot of them. Um, again, they do die with stiff breeze, but they're not going to affect your opponent's crew. Um, obviously the slow is massive, but it's melee four. Um, most of the time they, or right, again, um, most of the way I play them anyway, they they are slower than average scheme runners, Is probably the best way to put it yeah i i i'd agree with that they sort of usually start off start off with one in the
0: crew uh, sometimes two but they, and they are a common summon but that that two inch melee is really really surprising yeah. so you 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 summon them within six of a army already engaging an enemy and you know they either walk you know they walk to get into engagement and then they hit you or then they have to disengage So it's almost a slow in itself hmm. but if but if if an, if an army an has gone you know said so it Charge of someone. Uh, it, their, their, their attack actually targets movement, which is a little bit strange, but I suppose can get around some some defensive triggers and things. You yeah, know, it, and you can you can spend a flicker on it to get you know positive to that to that stat 4. Uh, you know, you probably just poke them for one damage and a poison, but slow, and it's 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 crippling. You know, if you if you slow an enemy model and and they're also in your engagement but not engaging you, it's, it sometimes feels a bit like you've paralyzed them from from M two E. Really, yeah, really, yeah. really, really impressive little, little... So you do that, and then they also, for their quick action, they vomit up a, a scheme marker or, or another marker that you need. And then, yeah, they, they do a, an awful lot of work. Probably probably my favorite models in the crew, little trash
1: goblins. Very nice. So you mentioned, Alex, that you might... You, might, you definitely hire one. You might bring in two. Um, after the Akoname, um, where do you start looking as you uh, are building your crew?
0: I'm an Ozako she's 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 my main lady she comes in every single crew um so she's a a a 10 point henchman um and i i think i take her in every crew just because um she's really really flexible um she's she can she can beat face with a with a three four five damage track um obviously she can be spending flicker to make those focused attacks um she's she's got she's movement six with flight um she's got She's got terrifying. She's willpower. She's only she's only defense five, but she's got willpower seven. So you know she's she's hard to control by the enemy. But but she's movement six with flight, and then, um, so and then a really good damage track. Um, the other thing that she brings that I use an awful lot is her quick action uh, dark bargain. So um, it's it's like an obey uh, the target. You need a five to cast it. The target suffers one damage and. Well, actually, Armor gets a flicker on the on the trigger. So, what what it does is it you tell the target to take an interact action, and that can mm. be herself or that can be someone else, and that that's really important. Just g- getting those interacts down, it means you you're not having to you know other models aren't using their AP, but because t- because it's a tactical action, she can tell herself to do it, um, and there's a trigger on it with a mask where she gains a flicker, but instead of it being an interact action, she can take any action. So, oh, wow! Nice. In a way, I sort of see her as a three AP beater. Yeah. Um and with movement six of flight, she just she goes wherever I need her to and um and, and kills things. Uh, or, or schemes. Like you know, like oftentimes we've talked about movement and positioning um in Malifo and some sometimes people will do like a this sort of like refused flank sort of business or, or they'll just run away or, or or stuff will die where she is and often we're, we're, with a normal beater maybe they're stuck there or they're trying to yep. reposition. But with her being able to interact for a quick action, she can put two bombs down if, she, if, it's, mm-hmm. if it's explosives or she can put two scheme markers down for harness the layer line you know so she can it doesn't feel too bad her having to, to scheme run for a, as a 10-point model because she's got
1: three ap almost and she's dangerous that, that min three savage bite is a nasty attack
0: yeah 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 it really is she can be a bit um she can feel a bit squishy actually like i, I tend not to Run her up the middle uh, because with defense five, I know she's a hen- I know she's a she's a henchwoman and she's got terrifying. But she does well, anyone can go down to concentrated attack, so she tends right. to sort of like dance around on the flanks for me. Um, she's quick enough to eat to catch up and eat an, eat an opponent's scheme runner. Um, and if she does take a bit of damage, she's got um, she's got two triggers on her attack: one after killing and one after dealing damage, where she heals that amount. So she's. Really, really resilient from just your opponent putting like two, three, four damage on here and there. She mm-hmm. just tends to heal it up uh, when when she when she as she attacks and as she kills people. But if they if they put loads of loads of focus on her, uh, she'll go down. So for me, she tends to be on on the edges a little bit. But I, I love her. Amanozako. She's she's uh, she's wonderful. And often it's um it's her that Amanjaku the totem is following around removing the flicker so gotcha. that she can she can have that effective three AP. Um, Every turn, and and that's we, we talked a little bit about soulstones. And Greg was saying he takes quite a high cash. I t- I tend to take quite a high cash as well, usually between five and eight. And mm-hmm. sometimes you want them so that you can be guaranteeing the trigger on, um, on on her quick action, so that she can be having that third AP, or she be, she can be giving that third AP to someone else, whether it right. be a, a Jaragumo to charge, or any of the other key models in the crew that, that if you need them to do something. So.
1: So, so Greg, is there any other core Onis that you're hiring or or do you start flexing uh right away to uh versatile or out a keyword
2: uh yeah so b- before we get on to that i just want to touch on on something else with um with Amano Zako, if that's okay please um going back to what alex said uh with the um the, the high source stone cash that's that's exactly right that's exactly why i have quite a high source stone cash myself um it's a you know asami wants the stone for summons Amano Zako wants the stone for her bonus action. And the other thing is that she does have a tactical action to lay down hazardous terrain. Yeah. I'm not sure about you, Alex. But I don't think I've ever used this. <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never used it. That's why <laughs> I didn't mention it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I know we um, in, in, in the kind of Tensunder's uh, Facebook message group, we had a really, kind of, actually, really long, really good discussion about kind of this ability and, and hazardous terrain in general. Um, so I thought I might just touch on kind of why Why don't? Why we love this model, but we actually just don't use one of her kind of core actions. Um, and, and part of that's a cost. Um, you know, it, it needs a suited card uh, to actually get the, uh, the Hassel's train off. Even though it's a four-inch bubble and on a 50-mil base, that's huge. Uh, but you also have to gain a flicker token for it. And so I'm a little bit like, when, when it comes to kind of, yes, you can potentially deny space with it, except you haven't really denied space. What you've said is that if your opponent wants to interact within that space, there's like an additional tax on top. Um, and if you're playing against kind of a, a, a above average, a good opponent, um, they're going to know if that cost is worth paying. Right. And if it is, you know, if it scores you points, you only got an eight point game, a good player is going to take that choice. So it, it, it doesn't really, uh, you know, it helps you against weaker players, but that, it doesn't help you against kind of, you know, the, the cream of the crop, which uh, is, is kind of what I look for in a model. Yeah. And then going back to your your original question there, Craig, um, I think that is pretty. Oh no, Tengu. Beautiful, beautiful Tengu. Um, (laughs) So again, this is, this is, this is, uh, again, one of my favorite only models, uh, mainly because of that that dark bargain uh, ability that that we spoke for with uh, Amano Zako. Unfortunately, this guy doesn't have the trigger to obey any model, but then he's only four points. So if, if he did, he'd probably be way way above the power curve um but he still has movement six he still has flight he can stop running models getting distracted and slow um but it does cost you a card and again I, I don't think i've ever used it um he has the standard flicker stuff but his his attacks are nothing to write home about really um th- this guy's main job is is scheme running um so walk six uh, move six sorry with flight um is absolutely superb um he also has dark bargain um so again, he can um, dark bargain himself so he can move 12 inches and drop a scheme marker. Um, he can yeah, also then cause someone else to interact instead, uh, which again is we're going back to, to what we said at the very start of the, uh, the podcast about the shoot, our Sammy really rewards uh, planning ahead and, and, and really managing your side of the game because you, know, you can summon a Tengu to, to fly 12 inches and then tell someone else to interact. But to do that, you need to have that other model in the correct place. So they're great little, little force motor players. Um, they have a little bit of healing as well, but again, it's, it's a bit of a more of a corner case issue. They have a, a, a pulse that can, uh, heal all models. So it actually includes your opponents, uh, within five inches, um, one damage. Um, now you can potentially do that twice by gaining a flicker token, but, but for me, they, they, you know, they're little scheme bots, um, with it again, the potential to get, 3AP, even though one of those is an Interact. Right, right. So, um,
1: I mean, so, and obviously we're not done building the crew yet, but, you know, the, the two of the key models that you guys have brought up are, are, are um, you know, two out of the three are four-stone four models. Um, what, what's what's the, is there any other big models outside of AMA that you're bringing in? Um, is that where you start flexing out to versatile, Greg? Uh,
2: yeah, pretty much. Um so two of the models that I uh, large models that I quite um commonly take um that, that are versatile are the Dawn Serpent and the Yasunori. Now Dawn Serpent is is one of my favourite models in the game. Um because a lot of what he does isn't isn't flashy. Now he, he's movement seven and flight, which by itself is superb. Um he's lightning and fast. Now just and he also has um agile, so he, he's really hard to pin down. Mm-hmm. Um, also hard to kill. Um, has his own built-in healing. He's very um, self-contained. You know, doesn't require anything from a Sammy. Doesn't require any of her AP, which you're already trying to juggle um, by keeping all of his only around and managing all of his flicker system. Because um, only you know, Sammy only has three AP, so she can only really remove you know a maximum of three flicker return. Um, and so, I like having a few big versatile models in there that she doesn't have to worry about, or I'm on, you know, uh, I'm on Jack who doesn't have to worry about. Yeah. Um, and with Dawn Serpent, again, you know, he lives, he survives. He's also got three, four, five 3-4-5 damage track. You know, no triggers on it at all, um, but it is a stat 6. Um, so he's just really, really consistent without any kind of extra support from Asami, which, um, again, I suppose when it comes to kind of be a competitive play and not knowing exactly how what models your opponent's going to put down or how the game's going to go. I really like that consistency um, and I really like his ability with, with the Agile and the Movement 7 and the Flight to just switch gears that he can quite happily scheme and then dash into the middle, you know, just to start ripping face with, you know, melee 6, um, min damage 3, or he can he can go the other way around. He can come up the centre and then bounce out to the flank to, to drop a scheme marker somewhere late game. The other model's Yasunori. Again, very, very similar reasoning to a Dawn Serpent. Uh, very consistent model. Stats really, really good. Um, again, movement seven with flight, superb. Um, his unnatural reflexes trigger um, is absolutely brilliant. So, so but on the face of it, he wants he wants masks, uh, and the sami also wants masks. But because he he generates his suits from the number of cards in your opponent's hand, so in early game, uh, sorry, early in the turn, when you know your opponent's got full control hand of six, he's essentially armor three. Um, which com- combined with hard to wound means he, he he takes a lot of putting down it's so good um, it also yeah. doesn't it's yeah it doesn't because the fact it doesn't reduce to zero Um, is absolutely brilliant so you know we don't have to spend too many cars defending him if, at all yeah. Um, his mm-hmm. attacks again melee 6 positive flip built in superb again mask triggers but he, he can get those built in uh, so he needs essentially nothing from, from Asami himself um and one of my favorite abilities he actually has is um his bonus action the wind's wrath and all that does it's, it's a 3 inch pulse from his 50 mil base um and it moves himself um and other models in range up to an inch and it just randomly has loads of little um excuse me um a lot of utility um especially about keeping him um, mobile you know for example mm-hmm. if if someone has uh let's say a one in- engagement range um if they're engaging him then he pushes them one inch away and he pushes an inch away. So unless, you know, you've got a two inch engagement range and you're in base to base with him, um, at the start of combat, providing that you, you know, your the opponent's model and the Asinori has has space to move, he mm-hmm. actually can't be tied down. And then with flight he just leaps over the top and, and goes off and does his thing. Um and yeah. again I just really, really like the the consistency. I know what I'm getting. Um and I've got lots of different options. Again, if needs be, he can scheme uh, because he's fast enough because he has flight. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, what we're really seeing now as you guys go through this is we're seeing incredibly fast, incredibly versatile and flexible models um, and uh, a lot of flight too. So um, I'm really starting getting a feel of kind of the play style that the two of you guys are building up to. Um, Alex, how about uh generic 10th um, under upgrades? Is there any generic 10th under upgrades that you're finding yourself using with this crew? Yeah, a, a, a couple. I don't think I rely upon them as much as some people, but um,
0: it, it depends on the situation really. So um and, and obviously with the hires, so sometimes I'll hire um, a samurai and sometimes I'll have trained ninja on the samurai just so that it can, as we've been talking about, really, really sort of fast repositioning crews. Trained ninja just allows your samurai to, to from the shadows up there and, and sort of start acting straight away. Um, mm. and, and, and obviously, depending on what, Master your opponents declared, but massed agent is always a consideration. Um, the upgrade that that turns off resisti- resistive triggers in a bubble. So, you know, yeah. your, opponent, your opponent declares collect or, or zip, then you can you can stick a master agent on on Yasunori, maybe maybe even another one on Amano Zako and you can all, almost guarantee being able, you know having that those two six inch bubbles to turn off resistance triggers. So, um, yeah, they're they they're really important. Train ninja or masked agent but they usually just um as and when the situation requires and um, i think the more i play the more masters i'm getting experience playing against uh, the more i'm finding uh when to use them and, and, and when not to i'm not a sort of person that just sticks them on because i think oh actually i'd like to deploy this guy a bit closer or i think that maybe um, hard to kill. He's really good on that. I've, I've got to have a purpose for it because, you know, we've said we want a high cash with a, with a Sarmu. Two stones is, you know, is part of that cash, isn't it? It's, it's, um, it's eating into that cash. So
1: yeah, if I've got, if I've got a purpose, then, then I'll, I'll use the upgrades. Yeah. So Greg, can we talk a little bit about the summons? Um, I, I mean, obviously I don't want to cover every single model
2: that she can summon, but I'd like to know
1: what you consider some key summons.
2: The top two, uh, everyone goes for, um, or at least I tend to go for our Joe Gomu um and Katashiro. Um Obsidian only come in a, a kind of a close third. Um so Jo Gomu are your, your kind of big flashy spider boy summon. Absolutely great stats. Uh well, um the damage is, is three, four, six, two inch range. Um with a stat six. So you're already starting at a great place before you even think about having positive flips um on that attack and damage because of a flicker. Uh, you've got puncture, um, so you can potentially have even more positive flips on your damage. Mm-hmm. And then they've also um, have a couple of weird little bonus actions um, where they can actually stop healing in your opponent's crew, um, which can be randomly very clutch. Um, yep. You know, if you're playing something mm-hmm. like in the morning, um, you know, to suddenly turn turn off that healing can actually be a massive deal. Um, it's also range ten, which which. Uh, I for the first time I looked at it, it just struck me as being just really far for reasons I couldn't understand, but hey ho. Um <laughs> he, he he um he yeah, he can also um push other friendly models um away from him. Now it's only a four inch push and, and in a way itself um is it can be somewhat restrictive. Um but he's quite good at if if you've got a model uh, you know, that, that's been engaged and you need to free it up. You know, the Joe could charge that model. If, if you don't even kill the enemy model, um, you could always just scare your own friendly model away. Right. Um, and so you've kind of still done the job. You've got a little bit of backup. Um, they they can also heal themselves uh, when they kill uh, an enemy model, as well as removing a flicker as, as part of a general keyword abilities. Um, they can also just heal two damage, um, which is really, really good.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at that market vengeance, Greg. And um, the first thing I notice is it's obviously it's not an opposed duel, right? Um, Or no, it is an opposed duel, but you don't have a target number.
2: Yeah, yeah. Willpower. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so without but with no target number, it, it and, and I notice it's got a nice little uh, shielded on a ram. So um, I would that would uh, you know make some of your mid mid rams uh, pretty valuable because I don't. Depending on what model you're doing it against, you, you really question whether they're going to spend a high card to try to resist that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Kind um, of the issue um, that I kind of have with the trigger um, is that it also directly competes with um, puncture. Right, um, and so with, with your stat six sometimes you actually don't want to use flicker um for, mm-hmm. for the hit because you know stat six is generally gets the job done um but by by able, being able to to drop a mid to high ram in to, to get an additional uh positive flip that makes sense again especially if it's a summon model um being able to kill a model without spending the flicker for the focus and, and remove one you've kind of got a net benefit for you know Seven, eight of Rams is is really really good value. So, Alex, um, what are some other key uh, summons? Um,
0: so so Greg mentioned Obsidianoni and Katashiro. Um, so Asami tends to be summoning uh, for me anyway uh, at the start of the game the the bigger summons, so Jorogumo, Obsidianoni, and then later game when I'm sort of maybe trying to get those points, so I'm trying to bog down the opponent. Those smaller summons, Akanami, Tengu, Katashiro. Um, so they can do the scheming. So um, let's talk about Obsidian only. So so these guys are you need a, an eleven to summon them because they they cost seven. Um, they they're sort of like the the tanky. They've got armor. Um, they've they've got ruthless, which is which is you know really really helpful. Um, the other thing they can do is they can remove destructible markers as a quick action. So nice. they are so so these guys are answering answering problems. You know if you if your opponent's playing raspy or. Or, um, or Titania, you know, they can be removing those markers to sort of, like, free up um, free up the space and, and free, free up the positions. Um, and then they can, you know, the, the melee 6, the 2-3-4 damage, which, you know, isn't anything to write home about, but we, they've got crit strike and they can give burning on triggers. And they've also got, they do have a ranged attack, one of one of the sort of rare ranged attacks in the crew um, that, that can give out burning and can drop scrap markers. So it's a way of, of getting scrap markers. Um, I think I should talk about flicker bombing things, or, or I, I think people have referred to referred to that term of summoning something and then going in. And obsidianoni are often the, the the sort of target of this, you know, something sum, obsidianoni. The poster child, really. Yeah, the poster child of of, of this because it's because they've got demise um, flaming too, So when they're killed, um, models within two inches suffer two damage and burning two. Um, oh. so yeah, so you can you can make an obsidianoni, um, you can. Push it forwards, uh, push it so you can push, you can walk forward with this army five inches. You could summon an obsidian only another six inches ahead of you, and they've got a 40 mil base. And then you push them another further six inches ahead. So they're now uh, 12, 17, uh, like 19, almost 19 inches up the board Mm. if if you've got a straight path. And then they can go in and they can do two focused attacks with the flicker and then they die. Um, And that can be really, really impactful, you know, two sort of stat six. Focused attacks and then dying to do two damage to everyone around. I think, I think it works against players that either aren't expecting it, or or running crews that that, that ball up that, that really right. need to sort of be close together. But I think the more people play against the they'll come to expect that and they'll start countering it. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually don't like. I, I usually actually find myself not playing in that sort of way. I tend to act like I'm going to do that, summon an obsidian only, push them forward, go in with the obsidian only, but not actually spend all my flicker, not actually do the focus attacks, just make two normal attacks, because then actually you know, from the opponent's point of view, you've got an obsidian only sort of stuck in your crew, it's armor <laughs> one it, you know, it's got, it's got seven wounds and if they do kill it, it's going to explode right. and if they don't kill it and they you know, they disengage, they move around, it disrupts their plans well then next turn you can always do the you know you can always have two more focus attacks and then explode and yeah you might yep. not catch as many people in the aura but you've given them a turn where they've had to be trying to deal with the this 40 mil uh, based armor one model in their crew and if they kill it you don't you don't really care that much you know but but usually i'm trying to find maybe i'm not killing my summons the turn that i summon them um, i'm usually trying to get two turns out of them i'm trying to eke out a little bit more value but maybe that's because i'm i'm greedy <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm,
0: not, I'm not sure
1: great <laughs> do you find yourself
2: using the flicker bomb or um um not not that often uh, th- these guys are, are kind of my like butterfly jump assassins um because models with butterfly <laughs> jump tend to have relatively low wounds um and so what i that's kind of when i tend to go for the bomb you know like um, one or another monks just just have a target on their heads um because you can get so far forward you can generally charge the model um I'll spend the flicker because I want to be in the upper upper uh damage bands and then they're gonna butterfly jump away um but if i've got you've got an ap left you can just walk stand next to it end your activation another two damage <laughs> another two burning yep. um and I generally puts them in the ground yeah. And, and the, the
0: ranged attack's good for that sort of thing as well. You can go in, you can make an attack. Someone jumps away, so you shoot them instead. You know, you, you're getting, you're still getting your two attacks on them if you need to. Um, so that's what I find against butterfly jump. People that have got melee exactly, and, yeah. melee attacks and shooting attacks, you know, they, they're good, uh, good around that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, it's two
2: damage and two burning on top of it. Exactly, and, and you know what's going to happen, right? Like if you shoot, you can miss. Yeah. Um, okay. So if you definitely need that guy dead just stand next to them and, uh, <laughs> uh, demise. Well, and I, and I love that nasty choice,
1: Greg, that you talked about, which is, okay, um, I'm not going to kill him, but I'm going to leave him there and, and make him a, a pain in your behind, Um, and if you want to kill him, that's great. I'm a huge fan of you killing them too. Uh, because here's four damage by the end of the turn.
2: Exactly. And they spent, um, they spend resources killing him as well. Um, right. Um, I suppose that's what you'll find as well. I like to these guys t- because you're in on four wounds and you've got armor, you, you take a lot of putting down. Um, yeah. And if you really want, you can spend flicker on the defense.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can. They can go into you, and you can spend the flicker on on the defense. They attack you, and then you explode if you need to. Yeah. So yeah, they take a lot a lot of putting down. And I think that's what I like about the crew with Akinami sort of slowing people, engaging them. You know, obsidian only getting in your face, and then you know taking ap and resources joe gumo you can't you can't ch- well, you, you can you can't charge you can't end within two inches and uh, and make an attack action if you've done a charge so they're hard to get into as well and with a two inch melee they can sort of bog people down so the entire crew is really good at holding up it's got some models that are really good at holding up people and getting in the way and
1: draining ap well, and I, th- I think the theme that is, is just getting stronger and stronger, guys, you're making the case of, is just how flexible all of this is. And the flexibility just seems everywhere between the movement, the pushes. Uh, the range of summons, I think, is very interesting. The fact that I can, you know, s- you know, bring in some big, nasty things. I've got a lot of really strong, low-cost models. Uh, Alex, you made the point that, you know, her attack actions are legit. So maybe you don't even summon uh, during her activation. And, and then to have um, Yasunori and the Dawn Serpent really be in their own little mini crew, um, doing whatever needs to be done, uh, that, that's very, very flexible. Um, and it just seems every aspect, it, we're, we're seeing that.
0: Yeah, because if you've taken Dawn Serpent, Yasunori, and Amano Zako, you know, I know Dawn Serpent's nine, but you've got oh, 29 stones on three models there, but they – they're all reasonably self-sufficient, yep. and when Ozako can obey Yasunori to take a walk on the first oh. turn, and then you're seven inches further up the board, you know, and you, and you've got a nine-inch threat with four attacks, or you've got a sixteen-inch threat with two attacks after you've walked seven inches
1: right. up the board. So yeah, the threat range is, is is there on the first turn if you if you need it. Yeah, the speed is is pretty insane in this crew that you guys are putting together. Yeah. Now, Alex, we were talking offline, and um, you kind of mentioned kind of an interesting build that you've been playing around with. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So uh, we've mentioned a lot of self-sufficient models before
0: Before the break, a lot of those big sort of beaters, really fast. Um, but another part of my crew that I, I take quite often, maybe 70%, um, 80% of the time, is um, is a Minico Ray and, and and a summoning package. So Minico Ray, she's, um, she's Last Blossom, but she's versatile. Um, so she's um eight stone henchman um, and she's, she's just, she's just a really, really good model. So um, she's got laugh off. She can't be moved. Um, she's got charge through. So she gets a positive when she charges. Um, and if she kills someone that has that activated, she gets fast. So, you know, she's, she's a reasonably BT model, um, but um, she's got for an AP, she can summon a Katashiro uh, with a 10 of, uh, a 10 of tomes. So, she has to use a scrap marker or a shadow marker. That's why where she fits in with Last Blossom. Um, mm-hmm. But she summons a Katashiro. So what I'll often take is I'll take Minako Ray and, and one Akanami or, or maybe Minako Ray and two Akanami, and they'll sort of deploy maybe with a, with a Sami in, in sort of deployment. And, and all those flexible, flying fast, other versatile models are sort of in, you know, somewhere else in the deployment zone, but um, you can have your Akonami walking up, uh, vomiting up a, a, a scrap marker, and then maybe interacting to put a scheme marker down, so that the Akonami will put two markers down as well as walking up the board, and then Minako Ray can turn turn that turn one of those scrap into a Katashira. and nice. the scheme marker can be for Asami to eat uh, with a quick action just for healing, because so she's gonna she's gonna use some health either for her summoning or for removing flicker, So the, the Akinami will put down a couple of markers to support Asami, but also the one of those is a scrap so that uh, Minako can summon a Katashiro. And it just eases off some of the pressure on um, on Asami summoning a Katashiro. Right. Minako can summon one to, you know, a Katashiro turn one, and Asami can summon, uh, you know, a, a Jaragumo or an Obsidianoni, and um, it's just a really good, a really good first first turn. She doesn't tend Minako doesn't tend to be summoning Katashiro all game long. She'll just maybe summon one, maybe she'll summon a second one on turn two, but then she'll tend to go get stuck in. Um, but I really like Minako. Right? She 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 um she's brilliant. She's got a quick action that can draw a card if you've got less cards than your opponent.
2: Yeah, no. It's it's worth noting. I think that um, unlike Asami summons, um, Minako's Katashiro don't come in with an upgrade, mm. um, so they don't have that kind of ticking time bomb um, of Flickr edition yeah. that a lot of um, Asamis, other well, all Asamis, other summons um, actually do carry. Yeah. So again, my uh, Waik well, like said it just relieves that little bit more pressure off Asami yourself.
1: Yeah, and I gotta tell you, as as a rule, I tend to not be real crazy about like two model combos like this. But what I, what's interesting about what you're talking about, Alex is, you know, the, the, the four stone barfing gremlin that you're bringing in (laughs) to help her is a good model on his own. Right. So yeah, he's definitely enabling summons when you need it, but it's not like that's the only thing he can do for you
0: yeah he's only doing it really turn one he's, he's he's and he's putting a marker down for Asami to to heal off anyway um so it, it, it's only for the first turn really he puts a scrap marker down you get a katashira and then he's off doing his own thing engaging people trying to scheme actually more likely he's dying but you know he's he's getting in the way and he's he's doing his own thing it's not it's not a combo that you st- stick to I, i'm not a, a big fan of those sort of combos but it's just Gets you an extra Katashiro, you know, and, and they are, they're, they're really good. It just gets you an extra scheme runner that will move into a better position or hide somewhere on turn one. And then on turn two, it's going to go and try and score a point or something. So Min- Miniko's brilliant. And and the other thing she does actually, people really don't want to attack her because of her, um, her defensive and willpower trigger. Um, which is is karmic debt. I don't actually have it in front of me, but that's because I think Jamie Varney stole it at Nationals. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) I think he he didn't, he's like, I don't like that. I'm going to take that back to London with me. Oh, I don't know, but, down south somewhere.
2: It's all the same to me. Um, Do you know what? So, I, I, I th- hope so I com- hope it's not Jamie that stole it, and there's some guy just maniacally laughing listening to this podcast right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. you'll never you'll never get to declare that that defensive trigger again. Um, but so when, when someone attacks her. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so yeah, w- when someone attacks Miniko, um, it's built in on the defense, it's not built in on willpower, but she's a henchman, so she can stone for it. After resolving, um, so they don't have to succeed, you know, um, you give you give the model that attacked Miniko uh, Karmic, the Karmic Fate Upgrade and that just says whenever, well, I think it says, um, whenever Miniko would take damage, the model with the upgrade also takes the same amount of damage. Oh, nice. Uh, so it, uh, and, if, and if you kill the model with the upgrade, um, you get a a yudo, you yudo know, the big w- rolling burning wheel guy yeah uh, so yeah it's, it's just like you know you attack minako Rey, and then she goes in and kills that model that attacked her and summons summons yet another model another movement hmm. seven model that's unimpeded you know just adding to the to the massive movement of the crew
1: um, well, so, and that's a huge it's a huge swing right you're yeah. taking out a model and bringing in a seven stone model yeah yeah so yeah she's great she's turn one she'll summon a katashiro that's
0: an extra model and then doesn't happen very often to be honest actually good players just don't attack her and that's my advice just actually just leave her alone uh, because if you attack her you're just gonna you're probably gonna end up killing your model that attacked her and maybe giving me another model so most people just uh, but if they're avoiding her then you know she's able to she's movement six you know she's able to do you know have a go at someone or maybe summon some more even
1: scheme, you know? So yeah, I was about but, to say she can score your points. Yeah, she can score points. So, so, uh, so yeah. Greg, one thing I think is interesting is um you have mentioned offline that there's uh, a model that you like the terracotta warrior, which all I hear is that that's a terrible model. Um, but can you talk, uh, talk to us about how you like the terracotta?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I think I'll start by saying that it is a generally in most cases, in fact, almost all cases, it is a generally pretty terrible model. Um, but actually, I apart from with Asami, um, I actually love playing a terracotta Warrior with Asami. Um, he takes he takes for me um, a lot. Of, in a lot of Asami crews you see out there, there's there's kind of this one slot. Um, or f- sorry, for me one slot because I have a general um, aversion to support models. Um, which mm-hmm. of course is probably very well documented. Uh, so commonly people <laughs> will take something like a um a tanuki, um or a of a, a Low River monk. So lower the monk is just pure, pure healing to try and manage that um, that wound count for a Sami, wounds are a resource. Um the Tanuki can do a similar thing, again, heal her and give her a focus to potentially make those summons a little bit easier. Um uh, but what I actually some people take both, which uh, I mean I would honestly say is a mistake, but that's uh, due to my playstyle, how I play um, the, the Terracotta Warrior, though he he's kind of what I put in that slot. Now he doesn't actually heal a sami. Um, he's got, but what he does have though are two tactical actions, which I think fit very very well um, with a sami's group. Um, first one is is just like you. Uh, so now you can only do this once per activation, um, and he has to be within five inches of a sami to use it in, in in the way I'm about to to say. Um, and so, all, what he does is he just basically copies um, the tactical action, non bonus tactical action um, of a, a mono of a higher cost than the Terracotta himself. Um, and he gets to use that action. And now, albeit with a with a cast of uh, level of minus two. Um, and what I actually use this for is to copy a mother's love. Um, oh, so, that's the ability right. that the Sami uses to remove flicker and give focus, right? Um, because, you know, we talked about how aggressive a Sami kind of needs to be, how short-range that is, and it does make it quite bubbly. But whereas with that terracotta, I basically extended that bubble by a radius of five inches. Um, and yes, I'm casting it on a six instead of a four, but a six isn't still, you know, is nothing really to sniff at. I don't really find it to yep. be the end of the world. Um, he can also, he is significant, so he can actually, if he stands a little bit closer to a Sami, um, you know, he can chuck a ski marker out, um, which then a Sammy can then, as long as that's within two inches of a Sammy, she can then pull it up to get her wounds back. Um, and so I found that actually, by being able to remove a flicker, uh, you know, outside of a mother's love range, I'm not using um, her ability where you know to, to take damage to prevent flicker at the end of an activation. So actually, it, it it kind of balances itself out. Instead of healing her, I'm causing her to use her wounds less which then kind of stops her dying to kind of random spikes of damage and things like that. Um, The other thing he can do, uh, again, tactical actions, is he does have attack action, action, but it's nothing to write home about. I'm not really going to touch on it at all. Um, But more of the other is is his tactical action, his second one. Um, And this is where he can replace himself um, with a minion or enforcer uh, that was killed during that game. And now you've got a Sammy here who's basically summoning minions all the time. Um, so that's another potential way to get, um, you know, a Kadoshiro, a Jogomu, um, for basically the same card that Sammy would use for, for summoning. Bear in mind he can't stone, so it needs to be the Seward mask. Um, but again, it comes in without having two flicker added to it and without, yeah. um, a flicker upgrade. It does have kind of pseudo slow because of the way the place works. He's used, um, an AP. So it's only going to come in with one AP. Um, and it only comes in with three damage. So, um, but some of these, you know, low cost models we were talking about, Tengu, Kaname, you know, coming in uh, with only three wounds, sorry. It's not the end of the world. That just means you've taken one wound at some point. Uh, Joe Goma can heal themselves. Uh, but the other thing that, that's worth noting is the, or is the enforcer bit, um, uh, because you can actually summon, uh, sorry, replace yourself into a Dawn Serpent if a Dawn Serpent's died. Oh. Um, oh, because because Dawn Serpent costs nine. So you need a 13 of masks, but, you know, you, you, suddenly you're getting the Dawn Serpent back, uh, you know, who's moved seven and has a yep. self-built-in heal is absolutely superb. Um, if you've got the Red Joker, um, you can actually bring Yasunori back, um, <laughs> which is, again, can be a colossal swing. Um, after after they've ground through through the Yasunori, suddenly he pops back up. Again, only three wounds, but it's a hell of a lot of offensive output potentially because he, you know, can have built-in onslaught. So he can replace himself, charge, you know, bonus action um, for an inch, charge seven inches, two-inch melee range with two attacks um, because of the trigger. Um, so, yeah, it's really... In Asami, I think he's got a really, really good spot as it does the, uh, the Terracotta Warrior. Yeah, I bet. In a similar vein, uh, the Kamatachi is... Um, one of those models which I, I don't take often. Um, he's very much um, dependent on the opposing master and, and what I think I'm going to see in the opposing crew. Um, so, if, if and, and that's purely uh, for his um, Wonder Weasel um, ability. So, this is a once per activation ability, um, which after a model is summoned, um, I get a draw a card, which, you know, card draw for a summoner is, is absolutely superb. Yep. Um, now, the drawback of this is if it was a friendly model that was summoned, I've got to discard a card. So this is more card cycling than it is card draw uh, in just a pure Asami crew. Um, now, however, if I'm playing against another summoner, mm-hmm. um, or I think, um, you know, it's a model that, uh, or there's going to be a model in the crew which is going to summon other models. Um, let's say it's Zeredo or something, for example, who, you know, might be summoning a voodoo doll. When, she's, when the opposing crew summons, I draw a card, and that was not for any model. So actually, I get to keep that card. So for your opponent, summoning the models, he, they actually um, let you draw cards. Um, and his um, his bonus action, he has a bonus action, which I've actually, the more I've kind of used it, the more I've enjoyed it. Um, and it's the, the Dust Devil ability, which lets him um, basically drop a 40-millimeter um, Hazard terrain marker. And um, now for this one, he actually has to discard a Flicker token to cast it. Mm-hmm. instead of gaining one. And because it's a cost, um, unfortunately you can't uh just gain that gain a flicker on the jewel and then discard it later. Um you, you need to have a flicker there to start with, which can be a bit tricky, but what, what I tend to do is either punch uh, a terracotta warrior with a Kamatachi and use a flicker on the hip or right. actually flip the defense of the model um and basically make myself miss. Um or at least get me on to try and get me to a to a double negative flip or something just to to keep the damage on the attack down. And once he's got the one flicker, you can just kinda of run around uh with your dust devil. Um and his attacks then can then move the dust uh the dust devil marker about. So instead of moving, you know, an enemy model into Hazard's terrain and causing damage, you actually move the hazard's terrain marker um six inches. Which yep. actually on a forty mil base you can tend to clip, you know, a couple of models, you know, generally minimum two, sometimes three or four, depending on how the game's gone. And actually that, that little chip damage, um, which normally I don't really have much time for, but actually because it's only on a four stone insignificant model, um, it actually really adds up and, and combining that with a card draw I find when I'm playing against another summoner, he still gives me value.
1: Well, I was I was about to say, Greg, I mean, what a great tech piece for four stones when you know they've already declared a summoner master on their side. Because um, you know you're going to get value as, as a card cycle, and then, you know, you're going to be drawing. And what's crazy about that Wonder Weasel um, uh, ability, I mean, granted, it's once per activation, but uh, there's no range on it. So that summon could be happening, you know, 25 inches away from the Kamatachi, and you're still drawing the card.
2: Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean... So, sometimes, well, before before I kind of uh, realized how, how good the, the dust devil ability was, it was quite common that he would just stand behind a wood or a house mm-hmm. somewhere and just, just almost be like a pass token that got me cards. Um, But yeah, yeah, because, no, yeah, as you say, it, it's, it's got no range. It's absolutely superb.
1: So, guys, let's take a quick break. When we get back from this break, I want to find out, you know, and I have a feeling I might know the answer. But I want to find out if there's specific strategies and schemes that they feel that the Oni crew uh, performs well in. So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. With 3rd edition Malifaux released, it's time for you to get a new mat with new deployment zones. We've tried every mat in the business, and nobody has better quality and selection than Mats by Mars. They're waterproof, and they roll and unroll easily, and they're even wet-erase Marco compatible. They offer over 35 designs and let you add M3E overlays for making deployment and positioning a breeze. Check them out at matsbymars.com. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you've found the perfect mat, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get 10% off your entire order if you really want to support us in the notes of your order request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat it's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler again that's mat by mars use the promo code third floor to get a 10 percent discount details are in the show notes Well, how interesting is it to have two guys that you know have been playing uh, this Oni crew for a while, and they're good buds too. And, but they really have already kind of found out their own little mini builds that they've been experimenting with and having success with. It's part of what I love about Malifaux is that there—I don't care what anybody says—there's no right way to play it. There's no right crew to build. Um, it's, it really comes down to how you want to get things done. And we're so early into this edition, I think we're going to start seeing some really interesting combinations—not just for you know a master like Asami, but for a lot of the keywords that are out there. So, Alex, when um, you know you're a 10 Thunders player and uh, you're on your seventh rounded nationals <laughs> what strategies is there what are two strategies that come up that make you really consider bringing asami in
0: um, yeah so uh, it'll be plant explosives or corrupt idols they're the they're the two that uh, that i bring asami in uh, we, we've spoken about like this flexibility this power this speed that she has um <clears throat> and i think I think the reason I, I picked those strategies for her is because um, she's able to not have the disadvantages of playing the other strategies if, if that yeah. makes sense so um, so we've talked about Flickr and uh, and, uh, and her crew dying when they get to uh, her model's dying when they get to, when they get to three Flickr in anyone's activation not only that but a lot of her crew is actually quite vulnerable uh, they're quite squishy so um, so it makes reckoning such a, such an uphill struggle uh, when, yeah. you're, when you're playing a sami. Uh, and, and also turf war, when, when you're losing, when you, when, you, when I'm distracting people with models and bogging people down with models and, and losing them probably quite quickly, um, flipping those turf markers back to neutral can be quite um, really, really detrimental. So so plant explosives and corrupted idols are the two strats that allow me to uh, play to her strengths without right. having those disadvantages.
1: Well, and lucky for you as a 10 Thunders player is you've got strong other keywords for turf war and reckoning. Right. So it um, it's not like uh, you don't have other options. So that's that's good. Um, Greg, let's let's think about schemes a little bit. Are are there any schemes in particular um, that if they're in the pool and you've got Asami, you're definitely going to be picking those schemes just because she's she's built to score them?
2: Yeah, um, a lot of it's actually kind of centered around the uh, the marker-heavy schemes, um, as you probably mm-hmm. can imagine. About how much we've talked about uh, the ability to drop ski markers all over the place. Um, you know, breakthrough. Uh, you know, we just we described playing very, very fast crews. You know, getting across the ball is not not a massive problem. Um, dig their graves. I actually really like with her, um, hmm. mainly because it's, it's the second point. Um, that, that she really, really shines in because um, you can create course markers with, with Akaname. Um, so so if you need course markers, you can just summon Akaname and they can just make them for you. Um, at the same time, Akaname and Asami herself can also remove um, course markers and Asami can move uh, remove scrap markers. Uh, so you can actually deny your opponent um, and only models don't drop course markers themselves. Yep. So it can be quite a hard scheme uh, for your opponent to score, but actually quite an easy one for you. Um, because even if you're, let's say you're playing against Hoffman and he's dropping, um, I suppose it doesn't really matter anymore, does it? I'm, I'm stuck in addition behind. <laughs> but um, if you need course markers in a small corner of the board where a Sammy's hiding, you, you just make Yep. and then you drop some scheme markers next to them. Yeah, that's, that's um, nice. It's absolutely superb. Um, outflank is a great one.
1: Yeah. And so much of what we've talked about, Greg, is, is you know, we've talked about how fast this crew is, um, these incidental markers and the ability to get markers down where they want them to be and the ability for you to get your models where they need to be and actually disrupt the positioning of other models. I mean, I look down the list of schemes and, you know, so many of them require some of that. And, and you've got that flexibility uh, to go in there. What I'd be curious to know, though, Alex, is if I'm if my opponent declares a Sami, are there schemes in the pool that I should make sure I don't take because she can really shut them down hard?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you, when you, when you're facing again, when you're facing a Sami, um, she's the one that's going to be herself. Personally is the one that's going to be stopping your schemes. So um, we've mentioned that her quick action um, removes scheme, scrap and corpse markers around her. So if you're, if you're trying to do uh, search the ruins, you know, and you're trying to get, you know, trying to get into my half, and you're trying to put down scheme markers next to terrain, she can just walk up and eat them. Uh, same, yep. same, same with breakthrough. Same with harness the ley line because because she wants to be a little bit forward anyway. You know, she, we said that sort of agri- aggressive support summoner master. She's she's probably going to be a little bit up towards the centre line anyway, so she's going to be slightly hanging back, just behind the front line, but still up there and she's just going to respond and eat your schemes when you put them down. That's so so that's one that's one way that she's going to um, deny deny your schemes. The other way is is with her um with her tendrils, with her hair. So, right. you know, if you if if I get a, an inkling that maybe you've taken claim jump, uh, and I and I can't get someone up there, I could always well, I could always push a friendly model up to contest it, or I could push the enemy model away. I think I'd push the friendly model up because it's Less demand on the flips, but if I if I really need to, I could push an enemy model away. For outflank, I can use the hair to to push an enemy model out and deny that that outflank point. Um, and it, once someone goes for outflank, it tends to be a, a little bit obvious. So pushing them away, denying denying that point for that turn, and it gives you an entire the next turn to to kill one one flank of, of, of your opponents tonight. Mm-hmm. So she'll deny outflank. She'll 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 deny. Uh, you know um claim job maybe take prisoner just because of some of the some of the summons um she, she she's the one she can deny an awful lot she can deny an, an awful lot she can say, eat, eat all the markers eat all the, the corpse markers for for dig uh, and push people around so she's the one that's going to be stopping you so maybe that leads into our next point about how to beat her actually. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to be headed in that direction. Yeah, yes. So let's
1: take a quick break, guys. And when we get back from this break, I want to talk about two things. One, um, I'm really anxious now to find out how to counter uh, the Sony crew because it sounds really scary. But I also want to find out really where the second level play is for this. So, um, you know, as a person gets to their, you know, their fifth game, their 10th game, their 20th game um, running Asami, what are some things that they're going to discover? These guys have had those uh, that type of experience. So let's find out what they discovered. We'll be right back. So how much are three or four of these episodes worth to you a month? Third Floor Wars has a Patreon, and if you think they're worth a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars a month, swing by and become a patron. We have polls to decide the next episode of the pod, along with early releases of articles and podcasts. Everything we release goes out to everyone, but sometimes our patrons get a head start. The link is in the show notes or just search for Third Floor Wars on Patreon.com. Thanks for the support. I want to give a quick shout out to our top patrons as of the time of this recording. A big thanks to Nick Westbrook, Colin, Stephen Morris, Kevin Smith, Sam Newman, and Jeremy Peace. We appreciate everybody's support. So, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that second-level play is something we talk about with all of these deep dives. And, you know, I think we've talked already about how, um, you know, how much you have to keep keep balanced with this master. So, Greg, I mean – what do you consider second level play with Asami? What are, what are things that somebody who has gotten in the reps and, and gotten in a ton of games with Asami, what are they going to get good at in order to be successful?
2: Yeah. So, so we said this a lot um, on this podcast already, but, but I, can't, I can't stress it enough is, is planning ahead um, because, you know, we, a lot of us scheming stuff we've talked about. Um, models can't interact on a turn of summon. So if, you, if you're summoning a scheme runner, you've, you've got to, do them, you know, summon those guys. If you want to drop a ski marker in turn five, you've got to summon that in turn mm-hmm. four. Um, you know, look at Tengu, right? We have said how much we love Tengu. And being able to fly twelve inches and then tell yourself to drop a ski marker is superb. What's even better is you is being summoned, flying twelve inches to intercept the Dawn Serpent, which you've moved to another spot. Um uh, so I think a lot of the things you'll um find, you know, when I play Sammy, and, and I imagine this is true for yourself, Alex, is that halfway through a turn, you know, your opponent might be like, well, why is that guy over there? Why has he moved this here? And then suddenly, you know, at the end of the turn, all the kind of pieces have, have come together. Uh, a bit, you know, a bit like putting a jigsaw together, but by putting the pieces down in what might seem to your opponent a random order, but you're right constructing a board state yourself through her, her movement, her summons, um, the different levels of, of, out of activation, um, you know, movement and AP, um, So that's absolutely massive. Um, There's also a a huge part um, which ties into kind of uh, what I've been saying is value. Um, But a lot of that is also to do with risk. Um, And so we talk about... um, I Zakos, mean, um, you know, adding a flicker to put hazardous terrain up as not being good value. And that's because, you know, we're, we're we, we we've, we've kind of considered this and we're comparing a flicker for hazardous terrain compared with a flicker on the attack or gaining a flicker, um, for her dog bargain trigger to, to, to generate a third AP for a model. And, and so, like, well, actually, I've, I've still spent a flicker. I've still gained a flicker. Um, but what have I done with that? Okay. Well, on one hand, yeah. I've generated hazardous terrain that hasn't done anything. On the other hand, I've told, yasanoi to take another attack and that's killed you know one of my opponent's key models well actually that flicker meant far more to taking that key opponent's piece or you know dropping a bomb for um, plan explosives or ski marker or something than it would just putting hazardous terrain up which my opponent may or may not decide to enter um and the risk thing again comes down to, to that flicker management that yes, flicker management is important, but I'm kind of trying to to touch it on as a a wider concept in that, you know, do I, if I'm going to spend, you know, go up to three flicker for this attack, how sure am I that I'm actually going to do the hit? Because I might want a positive damage to kill the model, but actually if I don't hit them, um, that means nothing. And so then I've got to consider, you know, how many cards does my opponent have? How many cards do I have? and, And all of this other bits and pieces just takes on this extra level. Uh, when you kind of combine it with with managing Asami's flicker and Asami's wounds, and and you kind of need to to, to get those those reps in that you were talking about, Craig, to figure out actually how this machine works. Um, yeah. You know, Alex and I are, are, are talking about it quite freely because we've been playing. You know a lot of Asami in the past four or five months. Um, whereas when I first started, I think my first Asami game was about three hours long because mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out, well, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Oh, wait a second. I can't put this guy to the other side of the wood because then he's not going to be in Asami's aura to do damage to her, to not take his third flicker point, And I want him to stay around. Um, and so, you know, but it, it takes a while to kind of get all of those different, um, aspects and all those different considerations you've got to make to kind of keep this, um, train moving. Um, yeah. and then again, I, I think that might come back to, to why we have so many big self-sufficient first-time models in the crew. Right. It's because at least that, you know, if we sw- say swapped out, um, Dawn Serpent and, um, Yasunori for no, two Jogomu, it's, it's rough, you know, roughly the same cost in, in Soulstones, but then we've got two other Flickr models we've both got to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something else to manage. Um, I think the final point might be uh, just, just to touch on something Alex mentioned um, about Amanjaku following um, Amanozaku around um, now I think a lot of people, myself included uh, when you first start was actually you tend to just keep Amanjaku next to um, Asami because you know totems to stick next to Masters and he's an Oni and she can pass off attacks to him etc and the Concealment ore is really good and so, you know, you want to use that to protect your master. But actually, there's only really two models in the crew, unless, you, you know, I'm taking a terracotta warrior, that actually do the flicker removal. And so having those two models in the same place actually really restricts what your other models can do. Um, and so you kind of, it seems a little bit counterintuitive um, at times, but actually split those guys up. And then, you know, you've kind of got one kind of good bubble one bad bubble if you know Mm -hmm. what I mean one guy's just taking flicker off but at least he's you know 10-12 inches away from Asami maybe Um, and then she's summoning and she's influencing her own part of the board
1: yeah, I, I got to tell you, Greg, the um, that jigsaw analogy where you're putting down the random pieces, but until that last piece goes down, you don't get to see the picture, I think is a really good one. I mean, it, that's a huge challenge for that Asami player to really, you know, thinking in, you know, a turn or two ahead, let alone it's hard enough thinking activations ahead, let alone turns ahead. But what I, I would imagine is also great about that is exactly what you um, kind of did the narration on, which is it makes it hard for your opponent to figure out what the hell you're trying to do um and and then it sounds like they figure it out too late
2: hopefully hopefully <laughs> um, unfortunately luck is uh luck is still a factor so, and and sometimes <laughs> cars can just go south um
0: <laughs> my sort of second level play um is is all is, is is something something greg said and something we've been saying a lot but it's her crew is all about that resource management Um more so than a, a lot of other crews i've played because you've got you've got the same resources that, that everyone's playing with, you know, AP cards and stones. You've also got flicker and, so you, so you, and, and army's health. So you, yep. you're running on more results, you're balancing more resources than you would normally be doing maybe in a crew. But then there's, there's that other thing, which is that if you're spending flicker to, to get positives to attack and damages, you're more, you're more likely to go on straight flips for damage. So there's, there's more opportunity for cheating cards in, for, for, for damage mm-hmm. and, and that's a really that's a really good thing obviously you know, you've got more control over it but with more options come more potentials for making mistakes so you can go like, oh well I'm on that straight shall I put that 11 in to get the 6 damage and it's it sort of teases you to tempts you to to put that severe in you know when you're on the straight flip when actually maybe you maybe you don't need to so that was something that I was doing when I first started playing Asami was um, maybe being a little bit i was finding that i wasn't using my cards as effectively as as i'd as i'd like to or as or as i needed to because there were more opportunity to use them
1: yeah when you're when you're on a straight flit and you've got that severe in your hand alex it's so hard not to well, use I'm it joking. especially if yeah the, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah exactly exactly um, so it's that, it's that
0: balancing of of of, of cards because they're more easy to use uh, as well as also need them for summoning but then yeah health markers positioning flicker <laughs> <laughs> um, and i suppose one, one thing you're trying to do actually is you can't apply that force everywhere on the table you know like right. it sounds really good you're like oh they can all have focus and they can all have this and they can all be doing that they can't they can't all be doing yep. that because then then they're dead you know y- you've got yep. to apply the force where you need it which is a which is a uh a consideration, maybe it's a second level play, is a positive mm-hmm. because you can apply the force where you need it. I need it on that flank, I'll be spending stuff there, I'll push people over there, or I need it in... Now, next turn, I need it in this other place. You can be applying that force where you need it, but there's more scope for making mistakes there because you can't apply it everywhere. Right. So that that's my second level play tip, I think, is that resource management and... Uh,
2: yeah, uh, one one thing uh, that yeah I'd like to add to that as well is is coming down to those resource management and and part of the the flexibility that we've we've discussed and we've said how amazing it is and how many options you have, but it's actually to understand what those options are mm-hmm. um, and more than, than almost any of the ten thunders masters that she she will use her entire keyword of models um, at one time or another. Now, it might not be every game, um, but you will use them, and you you need to know. And you've you know, it's been said many times on this podcast, Craig. You know, read your cards, understand yeah. what everything can do, um, and that's doubly so with Sami because you need um, because you know, especially your summons. Right, your summons aren't going to be around long. You you need to know, understand and and what Alex said about applying force. Um, it's not just force; it's also you know, um, dropping scheme markers, how how you interact with the board. Um, you know, you've got a great toolbox, but you need to understand what tool to take out of it. Um, right. and, and for me, your kai are a great example of this, that, that Alex um, and I, we, we both dislike your kai uh, We both lamented um, many times about, <laughs> <laughs> about how far they've fallen. But, but one key thing about Yokai kai um, is that they can interact while engaged. Um, now, again, you have to plan ahead, but sometimes that can be really, really useful. Yep. So I may never, you know, I might not summon a yokai in 10, 15 games, but but when I need to do that, I know that I can go to yokai. I know what card I need to summon them. I know, you know, what I need to do. And you can kind of pick that tool out of a draw. Um, now, maybe that there's another way I could do it, but that's going to be, you know, it's like trying to hit a nailing with a wrench. Like, it'll do the job, but a hammer would be better. Um, mm-hmm. And you could use that wrench for something else. Yeah. Yeah, no
1: question. Um, so it just Greg, that,
2: that does take reps.
1: It, it does, definitely Greg. And um and, and I think those are those are all really good callouts um and it brings us back to something that we that I mentioned which is um this may not be the best first master for somebody new to the game um uh, because it um there's a lot going on there but um, boy it sounds like there's a lot of value um once you kind of Get, put in the work and learn her, uh, because it can uh, present to you, um, you know, some really nice opportunities to do what needs to be done when it needs to get done. Um, Greg, one of the things that I'd like to find out from you, though, is what does she hate to see? So when you've got Asami as your leader, you've, you know, you're 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 going into a matchup. What do you hate the opponent to either see or do? What are some counters to this crew? Uh,
2: guns, gun, guns are bad. Yeah. Um, she really doesn't like getting shot. Um, you know, we talked about that resource management. Uh, you know, you could plan your, your turn ahead perfectly. If if a Sammy takes, you know, let's say two two to four wounds uh, that you weren't expecting or or you know that you hadn't factored into what you were gonna do, well that, you know, she's only got twelve of them. Um if you're gonna take another couple of wounds to, to reduce flicker on something, uh, you know, that's she's suddenly at half health. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's and and, and basically a lot of things just because she has to play so far forward, even melee pressure um, can, you know, it can be a situation she finds herself in quite commonly, um, which is where the, uh, the reaching tendrils comes in can sometimes be, instead of trying to disengage, just try and whip the enemy model away and then walk off yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of comes back to, you know, one of the reasons that, that the crew uh, crews that, that Alex and I tend to play tend to be so fast and have so many, aggressive threats in is to kind of saturate um you know give your opponent that threat saturation and say, yes, you, you you should be putting pressure on my master. However, you've also got these other things you should be worrying about. And if you yep. do put pressure on Asami, well that's okay. I can apply pressure in other ways or you know, I can apply pressure on another part of the board. So you can't zero right in on on, on my master.
1: Yeah, I would also imagine Greg that uh anything that's putting uh, hand pressure on you is, is pretty rough, right? Like tons of shockwaves or things that are forcing you to discard. Um I mean, you, the cards in your hand are are a big resource that you're trying to manage anyway.
2: Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's worth mentioning. We've we've talked about uh you know using Dark Bargain to, to drop scheme markets, using your Kaname um like it's something that automatically happens, right? You're still flipping cards. Um, yeah. You know, anytime you're flipping cards, you're taking away uh, certainty from from your game plan. Uh, you're taking away consistency from the crew. Um, and so, yeah, as you said, you're if if you're making me churn through my deck, if you're making me discard from you know discard cards from my hand, my game plan's getting just a little bit weaker, a little bit yeah. weaker. I mean, not not just for Sam; I mean, it's a generally good good Malifaux rule, right? Like card yep. advantage is a big deal.
1: Well, the, the funny thing about it all too, and I, and I, and I chuckle about this a lot of times when I see discussions, you know, on, on the forums or in, in AWP or, um, you know, when we do these deep dives even um, is theory foe is amazing because when you're just putting stuff through your head and you're looking at cards, you forget that the opponents play in the game too. And you, you forget that, um, you know, you're going to draw bad hands or you're going to draw a bunch of great hands and you needed some cards to discard and you don't want to discard those two. like there's so many things that you don't know until you're playing and you've got somebody else trying to beat you um and it's why i preach it all the time guys is um you know, you, you don't know until you've faced it. You don't know until you've played it. Um, we And I don't get me wrong. I love theory foe. I really do. I love talking about foe. I like looking at cards and thinking about this, thinking about that. But uh, if you're not putting in the table time, um, you're going to have to qualify your opinion about things.
2: Exactly. Yeah, especially, um, you know, Malifaux, you know, you're talking plus two hours to get around in so actually kind of getting a table time getting getting those cycles to to build up a decent sample size for any kind of theory you have um was yep. actually really hard you know you could try something once and be like yep yeah, this works this is superb <laughs> but actually that that could have just been a freak occurrence right yep um you know i kind of at this point i want to shout out the the kind of 10 thunders uh, facebook chat group because one of the things i really really like about that chat group is is partially what you're saying Craig. um is that you have almost, you know, an infinite amount of fake opponents in there? But you said, "Hey guys, I think this is good," and loads of people critique it, and and, and the critiques that yeah. come back are actually generally really constructive. It, it's you know, this is why this is you know why I think it's a good good idea, is why I think it's a bad idea. But partially, we we've recently, I mean, it might have been because we were discussing Asami recently, actually, Alex, but. We did a um, really
0: good comparison.
2: The two of us—I um, think Ray was in there. A couple of other guys. We did. Yeah, we had some really, really good conversations about just more, more general topics. Um, you know, that, that some of the things i talked about tonight, where instead of looking about flipping cars, we've talked about, you know, managing resources, We talked about yeah. um, considering risk. We talked about value, and and we've had some really good discussions about what those those concepts mean. Which, which is, again, with someone like Asami can actually really help even out that learning curve to just speak to some other people, get like a bit of a hive mind together to, 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 you know, what do I do with situation X? Well, you know, you thinking of something and, and, and testing it out is nowhere near as good as discussing that with, you know, five other people. Exactly. No, could could not agree more. Alex, is there anything
1: that we need to add on to that? Some things that um, if I'm playing against Asami, I should consider Bringing to the table, um, so we
0: so so Greg said um, guns, which which is which is an important point. But to go on from that, you know, the entire crew pretty much universally is um, is a melee crew. So so it's really predictable uh, when you're the opponent of a of, of an Asami crew. I know it's really flexible, but it's really predictable about how it's going to try and kill your models, which is mainly in in melee. So so sort of disguised or I don't know, um, the sort of extended reach stuff. Those things are quite quite important, you know, quite good for um, armor. Um, armor can be a big deal. Armor, well, that's why I often take a samurai, just because armor yeah, is... sorry Alex,
2: I'm just going to jump into armor.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah arm, armor sort of really limits you. Um, but think, things, ironically, things that are a little bit similar to the Asami crew are really good against the Asami crew. So the key models really that you want to kill, and maybe I'm giving too much away, but um, uh, <laughs> the key, I, don't, I don't mind. The key models that you do want to kill when you're playing against sami Asami are the katashiro, the Akanami, and the Tengu. Because they're the ones yeah. that are gonna, they're, they're going to be going out. They're going to be scoring the points, especially the Akanami. Those guys are little bastards. You've got to kill them as quick as possible. Um, but all of them, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all defense four. Um, they're all right. defense four with four or five wounds. So they go down. They do go down. Well, the Kachou are literally made of paper. So they go down so quickly. But you have you have to target them when you when you're playing against Sam. You've got to kill those those really quick scheme us. And the rest of the crew can be quite fragile at times I'm talking about maybe putting some pressure on Asami itself because she's taking some wounds herself so it can shock her she can heal up but it's about yeah. when you apply that, that pressure to her if you just put a little bit on her she's probably not going to care because she'll she'll be healing it up but if you can put a significant amount on her because your opponent overextends and kill her then that's, then that's huge you know so kill kill those defense force scheme runners and plan when you're going to put pressure on Asami that's, that's my, my my advice
2: yeah, yeah. Just just for timing of putting that pressure on her is is yeah, big deal. And again, we're giving away kind of all our secrets here. Well, hey, that <laughs> yeah, I means I mean, we'll get better games. Um
1: you know, you, you feel like you're giving away the candy store, right, Alex, you know, giving away mm. these tips and talking about these counters. But that's part of the beauty I of like Alpha it, yeah. is that yeah, sometimes even even if the opponent knows <laughs> what to do, that means they still gotta yeah. do it. Um it, I like it, it's not like other, other games. That. Yeah, I like yeah. it because then they'll yeah.
0: try and do it. And then I get to sort of counter that, you yeah. <laughs> know, because then I know that they know what the weaknesses are. And then when they, when they come for it, I'll, I'll be able to respond. So
1: I know that you know that I know that you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Greg, did you have some last thoughts?
2: Yeah. I was just going to just add to what you said there, Craig. Um, that, yeah, it, at the end of the day, you've got to assume your opponent's fully prepared anyway. Um, yeah. And so, if they are, then you should be able to handle it. If they're not, okay, the game's got a little bit easier for you, super. Um, and that goes yep. back to, to, to what I was going to revisit: it. the timing of Hitness army. Is that her healing comes from her activation and maybe activation of another model? So if you wait until after those activations, you know you can put some wounds on her. They're going to stick until next turn, and then you can go in maybe at the start of the next turn before she's had a chance to get some more wounds back. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, you create a little window for yourself um, to really, really go after it. Yeah, well, that's that timing of
1: pressure, right? That you talked about.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose we kind of got all that a little bit the wrong way around, but hey, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Exactly. Now, um,
1: guys, we're going to take one more break, and when we get back from this break, um, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I've got two strong Ten Thunders players uh, on the pod today, because. When we talk about hot topics, there's been some hot topics around 10 Thunders, uh, so I'm not going to let this opportunity come by or go by me. So uh, we'll take a quick break and let's talk um, about what other people have been talking about. We'll be right back. Howdy, folks. Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs branded with the logo of your favorite podcast it comes with two measuring multi-tools a compass stepper for those tight and important movements along with a compact dashboard to track your turn strat and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens it is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it the link is in the show notes check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast So um, I, I'm hoping to release this episode not too far since we're recording it because um, one on, uh, on my Patreon, I give the um, patrons an ability to kind of influence the next episodes to come out. And guys, this I told them that this was getting recorded and it um, got voted as they want this as the next episode. <laughs> um, so I have a feeling, you know, sometimes it'll be, it'll be several weeks before I, between recording and putting it out. I don't think that's going to be the case with this one. But um uh i that being said i think even if this comes out f- 5 weeks from now this will still be relevant um so you know ten thunders did well at um at the uh, UK nationals um, and the uh, chant, you know, I think the uh, was a first and third or first and second or some of the podium, you know, soloed Shenlong long and the, 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 um, the chanting started uh, the pitchforks came out and they, you had people saying, is it too much? And then you had people coming in that have never played Shenlong long or playing against Shenlong long saying, yeah, he's too strong this, 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 and that. Um you gentlemen have either played Shenlong Long or have played against Shenlong. Long um so your your voices I think are significant here so Alex um how many times did you play Shenlong Long to get fourth at UK Nationals
0: I didn't play Shenlong Long at all um, I don't even know yeah. him uh, so I, yeah. I played a four times I played McCabe twice and I played Yan Lo once um yeah and I, and, I, and I came fourth so um <laughs> so Chen Long is good um the person that came first was was soloing a, a Shenlong list but but actually a lot of the list wasn't the monks actually he had a Yasenori, he Ivan Minako, and Ivan ran a toto so that, and uh, and Kitty as well so it was quite a hodgepodge sort of mix maybe taking advantage of 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 some other sort of synergies and situations uh, and it was just led by led by Shenlong and I'm not sure about th- the person that came third I, I, I'm pretty certain they weren't soloing Shenlong, so really, out of the, out of us three that were in the in in the top four, we had a, quite a wide variety of, of of masters being being represented. Yeah, um, and, and I think maybe that just goes to show that you know we've got as 10th unders players, we've got a lot to be drawing upon. You know, we've mm-hmm. got lots of different masters that are good at different situations, and it doesn't all have to be about about the one. Uh, there, there was it, it caused quite a lot of um, Conversation, I think, did the the, the sort of solo Shenlon winning winning um, nationals, and there's there's been a lot of outcry about how, uh, how broken he is, or um, and so may, maybe he is a bit over the top, M- you know, maybe he's slightly above the power curve, but I'm, I'm a really big believer that Malifaux most of Malifaux is, is about the skill of the player, so yeah. So maybe Shenlong will take two evenly matched players and, and slightly edge one above the other, um, but actually, you know, we're not we're not really going to get to know that until until we've put the reps in. We were talking about evidence before, you know. If it takes two two hours, two and a half hours for a game, you know, we're talking twenty five hours for ten games. You know, the additions yeah. only only been out for, you know for comparatively short amount of time maybe we need to maybe we need to get the reps in before we start making like huge claims you know and there is likely let's be realistic there's likely to be imbalance and there's likely to be sort of little things that need tweaking but maybe
1: we just need to be a bit more rational about it and a bit more patient about it i I agree alex and you know so two masters in 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 Malifaux Second Edition. For those of you that are listening that didn't play Malifaux Second Edition, there was t- really two big moments where we where we saw problems, and they were with Sandeep in the Arcanist faction, and they were with uh, Nicodem in the Resurrectionist faction. And uh, there was a lot of talk, uh, and both of those masters, by the way, needed attention. Don't get me wrong, but the talk was, you know, that they're too good, that they're too good. i at some at some point, somebody's got to be good. Um, Someone's on the the curve, aren't they? Exactly. But the problem with Nicodem and the problem with oh my god, uh, Sandeep, was that they were they were they were dominating the faction. So if you there was a period of time in two e that if you were a competitive Arcanist player. It was really hard not to bring Sandeep because there was no other masters in key. And there was no keywords back then, but no other masters in, in second edition. If you were an Arcanist that could compete with Sandeep. So once he became, became the only ch- real good choice in a competitive environment, that's when I thought he became a problem. And eventually that happened with Nicodem too. Um, and I'm getting the feeling that we, j- we have no idea if that's true of Shenlong. Um And, uh, you know, 10 Thunders has a lot of really good masters. I mean, if you listen to the McCabe Deep Dive, you know how good McCabe is. If you've ever played against McCabe, you know I how good he is. I think I'm a big proponent uh, of all
0: the 10 Thunders
1: masters that aren't Shenlong. Yeah, yeah. So um, t- t- I think Alex's call is good. Um, Now, Greg, I'd like to get your kind of your hot take on what we just talked about. But you also have done some interesting math with Qi that I think is worth talking about.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so just to kind of finish off uh, the conversation uh, you and I were having there, that that yeah, Sh- Sh- Shenlong may, may well be over the curve, um, and and I agree with a lot of you uh, what you said. I, I think it's also worth mentioning that he exists in the game, and so
1: <laughs> complaining about it
2: doesn't actually take that away. You know, if you go to a tournament, you know, this weekend, then Shenlong's there. All right, well, your, your complaining hasn't done anything, um, and I think that when if you immediately say something's broken, you, you kinda of stop thinking about it. It's like yeah, yeah he's broken, whatever. You shut down. But actually if you want to be successful competitively, exactly, you, you he 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 exists. You've got to be able to cope with him. You've got to think of some interesting strategies maybe to to to, um, to deal with Shen on what he's doing. And, and and to take it back to your your M two E thought, uh, thoughts uh, Craig, uh, regarding Nicodem. Um, you know, what, one of the things that, that kind of came out of that was um, I think Jamie Raney might have been the first guy to do it, actually, which is, which is ironic given that he was the, uh, the number one Nicodem, um, player at the time. But actually was using Molly and, and Mortimer in an interesting way to, yeah. to drop a load of punk zombies right in, um, Nicodem's face, right? Just, just pin him back to the board. So you're, Molly's summoning isn't as good, but you're making a strong positional play. Um, you know, which, which is something that kind of is very much out of left field. Um, a lot of players start to take soup. Um who So Sue, I think, it was actually a book one model, maybe book two, um in in M two E, which, you know, we're we're talking four or five years ago at least now. Um but who actually came right back to the um, the forefront again because he had the ability to just remove uh course markers without a resist flip, um yeah. targeting an enemy model. So you could target someone like Mortimer who's dropping all his course markers and he suddenly, you know, poof, off they go. And so, mm-hmm. and so that, that requires, a, a lot of, you know, going back to the drawing board. Um, and, and the negative cast aura, yeah. Exactly, yeah, um, exactly. And and there's, there's a phrase, I think, from writing, which is called um, murder your darlings, I think, which basically is, is you know, t- taking everything you find precious, everything you, you love, everything normally you do, you know, and saying, actually, right, none of this is working. I need to go back to the drawing board. I need to think of something new. Yeah. And yes, you may change. Yes, you may get eroded. But for the moment, that's not going to help you this weekend. This weekend, you need a plan. Yep. Um, Wow, Greg, I
1: I don't know if I could have put it any better. Um, it, 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 that is a really really good point and the uh you're you're 100% right that as soon as you say oh this is this is broken this is broken you, you stop thinking and that doesn't make him disappear <laughs> so that's a that's an excellent we did point. it
0: with we did it with Zereda, didn't we you know a, c- a couple yeah. of months ago you know Zereda was, was 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 the the boogeyman you know and, and I don't know maybe maybe is more powerful than Zoraida. we don't know but at, at that time you know everyone was really struggling with her and then and then we sort of go. Actually, concealment's really good against her because then it it's that pressure on on resources again. You yeah. know, um, you know, t- I, I take two samurai with uh, with trained ninja and put them right <laughs> up in her face because you know because shooting's <laughs> really good against her. You know, and and, yeah. and like you know, the, so pressure her straight away. You know, and, and people will find their answers maybe. And then, but but, but if not, it'll come from it'll come from the reps. It'll, it'll, it'll come from the yep. from, from the results. You know, this is this is. One, I think, I think maybe Swedish, Shen, Shen plays really well in, in the Swedish nationals, maybe. I don't know. There's probably been a couple of events, but it's not. But is, is it dominating yet? Um, right. I, I, and, 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 and if it does dominate, well, well, then we'll do something about it.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and at that point, then, you know, Weird does something about it. And hell, I mean, it was Zereda. And then before that, it, you know, there was, all there was talk about is, is Lynch yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. was a week and a half on yeah. AWP about uh, Lynch is overpowered <laughs> and now, now I can't find a Lynch player if I try
2: <laughs> yeah I, I really don't rate him I, I, I try playing him a lot and I'm, he's not my cup of tea at all um, yeah yeah I find him quite difficult to play yeah well,
1: gentlemen, this is um, this was this was fantastic, Alex. It was great having you back. And Greg, I am gonna put you on the spot, man. We got to get you on again. Um, I really enjoyed having you as a guest. Um, uh, guys, for uh, Alex, is there anything anything you want to plug? <laughs>
0: um, just that we all, all our henchmen in the UK—they're all amazing. Yeah, you yeah, had two of them on the show, and and they're they're brilliant. They're doing such a good job at uh, uh, keeping them, you know, uh, just growing the scene. Uh, they're, they're brilliant,
1: good dudes. How about you, Greg?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, it's actually, um, you know, I recognise that, that you know we talked a lot about competitive play and uh, but tournaments are for everyone. Um, and so one of my friends, I'm um, Kieran. He three times a year he runs uh, oh, a yeah. event called Gotham to Samaria, um, and it's basically it's it's focused around not not just Malapho, but actually a lot of different kind of skirmish games. It's fucking um, awesome. Which Malapho is probably like the most popular. Um, um <laughs> Yeah, basically it's just a load of people turning up um to element games in Stockport, um, drinking beers, playing games. There's absolutely no organized play. If anything, that's probably the hallmark of the event. It's just, Oh hey, you play, you know, it's like the most popular game, um, but you know, people play it, say Bushido for example, right? Or yeah. um Dark Age and, you know, all these other games I've never heard of. Like, oh hey, you play this and um, there may not be too many of those players uh, in your meta, so you've come here and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to play the stranger. Um, and it's just, it's almost a complete. It's an opportunity to travel. It's an opportunity to meet players outside of your meta, but without kind of the pressure of a tournament. Without yeah, you know, being forced to play three games whether you want you know not whether you want to or not. But you know what I mean. It's yeah. you hang about all weekend. Uh, the next one is the 17th, 18th, and 19th of January, uh, 2020. Um, there's a Facebook event up if you just search uh, from Gotham to Samaria and, um, you should be able to find it um, I'll, I'll put a not, link in the
1: show notes Greg
2: yeah sure yeah um, but yeah it's a really really good fun weekend
0: and and we'll, we'll, we'll both be there so you can come up with some games of foe against us that is true we will both well, yeah, be yeah.
1: there what they can do is they can bring Shen Long and whoop your asses <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe yeah yeah <laughs> alright right, guys <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's funny. Um, uh, a real blast gentlemen I uh, look forward to talking to you again and uh, for those of you listening I appreciate you sticking around have a good night be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear while you're there check out how the USFO Tour is shaping up how does your conference compare to the others in the United States where do you rank nationally Get those models built, painted, and on the table so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational in October of 2020. Also, rate and write a review on this podcast for us. It really helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Thanks for listening. All friend, Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the U.S. and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the Third Floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. All right. Who wants to start off with second level play? Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think anything I do is good. I just play.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. I can, I can. Uh, random question. Are you about to talk about Chi and Shenlong and things. Shenlong.
1: Is, is that, is that some pe- people have been talking about yeah, Shenlong? Everyone's talking about Shenlong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm going to talk about Shenlong. Um, so when we get into the pool here, um, uh, my first question for you guys is Is she just good in everything because of this flexibility? No. Okay, good, good. So, <laughs> no, we'll I'll do we'll start. Oh, yeah.
2: absolutely not. Yeah. Good. Yeah, well, I guess reckoning so. she'd blow, right? <laughs> yeah, she's um, so. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am sorry. I'm randomly looking for a card very quickly now, so I don't get that wrong. <laughs> <fine>. uh, yeah, <laughs> two feet, marker removed. There we go. Yeah, 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 hey man, hey, how what? Well, well, well to, to your credit,
1: Greg, you didn't know we were going to talk about Asami, so that I, you didn't know to get the card out, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. Like, so, so professional, man.
1: <laughs> the beauty of editing, yeah, Greg. I'm I'll, make you, good sound, I'll make you sound I so smart.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, we tell um, people to read their cards all the time, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it's too, per <laughs> market, whatever. It's fine. <laughs>